Tom Gerenser is the author of the upcoming book, I Can't Do It Without You, God. It's about the power of prayer to transform our lives. He has a rags to faith to riches story about a failed marriage and career, turning back to God, learning to pray, and then watching God work miracles in his family life, his career, and his emotional well-being. Tom is an ASJA journalist, an SEO expert, a content writer, an editor, and a teacher who writes about science, tech, health, business, and the outdoors. He's a regular contributor to HP Tech Takes, Boys Life, and Scouting, with articles in the Boston Globe magazine, Fast Company, Outdoor Life, Costco Connections, and many more. Tom's book, as a collaboration with the Discovery Channel, is called How It's Made, and that will be released by Christmas of 2020. He also has a book on marketing called Think Like Google, and that's now available on Amazon. Tom has written over 1,500 high-traffic articles and has more than 70 million readers worldwide. Tom has deep insights into the powerful everyday prayers that we can pray as a way to find peace in our toughest times. He can share steps to build a stronger faith and lets us ask for the things that we need with confidence and that move mountains in our lives. Tom shares insights on science and the surprising power behind prayer, meditation, fasting, and other biblical advice that show us that it can change our lives with very little effort, actually. Tom also shares how to believe, because as he says, yes, it does take effort. Enjoy our conversation today on the Encouragers United Podcast. I started to realize, well, maybe maybe this faith in myself was misguided, but maybe, you know what, I'm missing the forest for the trees right in front of my face this whole time has been this person who nothing is impossible for, who loves me, who wants me to enjoy this creation. Hey, why don't I rely on that person? Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Encouragers United podcast for this week. I've got a great pleasure. I get to introduce you to a great friend, a, a new friend, really. Tom, say hi to our listeners. Hi. Hi, listeners, and hi, Charlie. Yeah, great to have you on the show today. Um, you know, they just heard about your bio, Tom, but you have a wonderfully diverse and successful career so far. Your background is, you know, in writing and SEO. You're the CEO of your own content writing business. Um, you've got two publications out there, you know, to your credit, uh, a marketing book uh, called Think Like Google. Uh, I love that. And even this Christmas uh, in 2020, you're going to have a book as a collaboration with the Discovery Channel called How It's Made. Um, but you know what? What attracts uh, me to your story is really this most recent and third book that you're coming out with here soon. Uh, it's really rooted in a crash, in a, in a time where you went through some tough things. And um, you came to this really simple but, but very profound statement. I can't do this without you, God. And that's what you've titled this book. Tell us the impetus for this story and tell us about this powerful transformation or this conclusion that you've come to in your life. Yeah, absolutely, Charlie. You know, the uh, as I'm talking to you, it occurred to me, and this is the first time this that I've had this thought, that if there's one person that I resemble uh, from the Bible, it would be Job. Because, uh, you know, I... I, I I, if Job would have would have just done what he was supposed to do, 
what an easy time he would have had and what an uninteresting story it would have been. But often an interesting story does not make a fun life. Um, so, so, you know, by the same token, I, I had this uh, very interesting story happen to me, which was not fun at all, but it was rooted in this, you know, knowing what God says we're supposed to do and, and not understanding that the reason God is saying, hey, I want you to do these things is because they're best for us. <laughs> Thinking that, you know, all the things in the Bible and all the things I learned all growing up and going to church every Sunday were things that were put there to say, hey, I don't want you to have fun. I want you to do these things because they're rules. Not, not cluing into that, not understanding that. No, no, no. These were things that God is saying, I want you to do these things because I want you to have fun. Because I want, I've made this beautiful creation. I want you to enjoy it. I want you to have a great time here. I want you to you know, prepare yourself for what's to come after this. Uh, I didn't get that at all. Uh, and part of that is not my fault. I can't blame my, you know, come down too heavy on myself because I had these older brothers who were always saying, you know, that's too hard for you. You know, we'll take that out of your hands. We'll, we'll do that for you. And by the time I left home and started being able to do things without anybody looking over my shoulder and taking problems out of my hands, I started realizing how fun it was, how much ability I had. And I started building this very strong faith in my own abilities and that was great in a sense, but in another way, it was the seed for this big tree of arrogance that grew inside of me that, I, that snuck up on me. I didn't realize how dangerous it was. And uh, it started out with just, you know, hey, I'm 20 years old. I can, do, I can paddle a whitewater kayak. You know, I get a little older. I can, I can succeed at a job. I can go out and start my own business. I can make great money. You know, I started doing all these things, and that was great, but it got to the point where I thought, I can do absolutely anything. And as that faith in myself got bigger and bigger, the faith that my parents had helped me build in God got smaller and smaller and became less and less important in my life. And, uh, and it got to a point where I thought, you know, the only thing I don't have control over in my life right now is where I live. I, I lived in Maine, beautiful place, but I want to live somewhere where I could, once I had a family, I could say, you know what, I just worked all day. Now I'm going to go kayak a whitewater river and be home in time for dinner. And uh, I didn't have that freedom of geography and I wanted it. So I lived in some different towns around the United States and ended up settling in West Virginia. Uh, beautiful place, beautiful town called Fayetteville has some of the greatest whitewater ever, but I could not transition my video production business here just because there was no clientele. Up in Maine, I had Boston. I could drive down there and get clients uh, and come back up with a bunch of video and edit it at home and, and have a great time, make a lot of money. But when I got here in West Virginia, um, you know, my wife and I moved here. She's from Maine as well and uh, couldn't make it work. I was going to start an online business doing video training videos and that didn't work. And things, my career was going down and down and down. And I entered a very dark time in my life where that massive faith in myself and my own abilities started to get shaken. And not only started to get shaken, but I got put into this box of, okay, I'm going to leave you here in this box and you're going to see that there is no way out of this box. In spite of this giant faith you have and these great abilities you have, not one of them is going to get you out of this box that you're in to the point where it started to feel like the end of my life. Um, it's, it's a little hard to talk about it, but in a way it's, it's fine to talk about it because I'm not there anymore. Thank God. Uh, you know, in a very literal sense, thank God that I'm not there anymore. But at the same time, I do feel like there was something, not something, I feel like God was at work to show me, hey, look, all this 
all this faith in yourself that you have, all this arrogance is not the right, you're, you're looking in the wrong direction. And I know it's going to be hard for you to look in the other direction. It's going to take a lot for you to look in the other direction to, you know, to be like Job and say, okay, okay, what do you want me to do? <laughs> but, but, uh, it was very hard. And, it, and the, the hard part of it was, um, Number one, you know, my career went down, down, and down to the point where I'd spent through all the money I saved from my company. Not like, you know, I wasn't involved, I wasn't involved in drugs or alcohol or anything like that. I was just spending it as cost of living yeah. and running out of money, quickly running out of money. And then, um, then, you know, I ended up getting, taking a job writing online, which was a godsend. It was right when we had a, our first child was on the way and I had burned through the last of my savings and, uh, here along came this job, just dropped in my lap. But it was only forty thousand dollars a year. It was very hard to make a living on it. It was a lot of work, and it was a, it was a real struggle. And then, uh, you know, things were hard between my wife and I. Uh, things were tough between my wife and I. Our relationship got strained because of the economic situation, and things got worse and worse and worse there. And uh, between those two struggles, everything was getting really bad. And then. Right before our second son was born, and our first son was two years old, I lost that $40,000 a year job. And then I didn't have anything. And then, you know, this was right around Christmas, two weeks before our second child's due date. Um, you know, my wife and I, I won't get into details, but I, I, I'm sure people can relate. When, when something, when a relationship is going bad, it's bad. But when a relationship is going bad and you have two young children in the house who are relying on you, who are depending on you, who are smiling at you, you know, from the tub and blowing bubbles and looking up, there was one point when that actually happened when I had to leave the bathroom because I had to go cry because I thought this kid is so full of faith and so full of joy and trust in me and doesn't know anything except he's blowing bubbles in the tub and, and it's fun. And I am this useless person who's leading him down this dead end. I, I, I won't, I won't go too much into how dark that was, but you can imagine. Yeah. Uh, it was, it was a terrible, terrible dark time and things only got worse. I mean, I, I got Lyme disease. Uh, you know, my health started to deteriorate and everything was just collapsing. And, and as much as I'm, as I had all this faith in my own brains, I, I tried and tried and tried for years and years and years to, to find a chink in the, cell wall in the prison wall that I was in or some weakness in the bars. And I have lots of ideas and tried everything and nothing worked. And I finally got to a point where I realized this is the end. I cannot get out of this prison. I just can't. And, uh, and that was basically a period of, of, you know, waiting to die of, of just being convinced, like I'm never getting out of this. My poor wife, you know, she should never have married me. My poor children, I, I'm so sad that they have me for a father. Um, you know, poor me. I, I'd look at a picture of my parents and who were deceased by now, and and I'd think, oh, you know, I, I if they're looking down on me, they probably are so sad for me, and just everything was black. So that went on for. It, it wasn't like an instant. Oh, now here I am. It, that went on for a good long time. I I can't think exactly how long, but it was it was years uh, before I I finally realized. Okay. This faith in myself is completely erased. I have absolutely zero faith in myself, but I'm not going to die. I'm still living. And so that presented me with a problem. Well, what do you do when you have, you're in between a rock and a hard place. You're in between Scylla and Charybdis. You know, you have, you have this no way out and yet you're going to keep going. 
So where are you? Well, that at that point, gradually, and because of some influences, some things my father had said to me, and, and from wanting to bring my children into church, you know, wanting to go back to church, and then starting to listen to the sermons from the, from the priest, I started to realize, well, maybe I don't have, maybe this faith in myself was misguided, but maybe, you know what, I'm missing the forest for the trees right in front of my face this whole time has been this person who nothing is impossible for, who loves me, who wants me to enjoy this creation that he has created. And so, hey, why don't I rely on that person? And, and, the, and the answer, there was an answer instantly there. Well, I don't rely on that person because I don't have that kind of faith. You know, my father, um, before a year before he started, he had died of a series of 12 strokes. Uh, but before those strokes started, he asked me to interview him because I think he sensed that he, you know, he's getting older. And he said, can you interview, you know, I was a video producer, he, I was, and he said, can you interview me so that I, there's something left after I'm gone? And I said, well, okay. So one of the questions I asked him was, are you happy, dad? And he, he, he said, yes. There was no hesitation at all. No thinking, no qualifying. Yeah, you know, I mean, I would have answered it that way. Yes. And I, I didn't expect that answer. And as, as bad as this is, I said, dad, you've, you've, you've lost uh, two sons. You've lost your wife. You're from a family of 12. There's only three of you left now. You've lost, I can't even count how many friends over the close friends over the past, over your life, how can you be happy? And I'm embarrassed that I said that to him, but that's what I said to him. How can you be happy? And uh, he said, well, you know, um, I have a very strong faith. I don't think about things that bother me. I, I think about them, but I don't dwell on them. And I spend a lot of time doing things I like to do with people I like to be around. I understood the whole last 90% of that answer, but the first part about having a strong faith I kind of understood it academically, but I didn't understand it like, oh, yeah, I know what you mean there. And I, and I didn't ask him, what do you mean strong faith? I didn't ask him, like, how does that make you happy? Are you? And, and after he died, I regretted not asking him that. And I thought maybe he meant, you know, he's not afraid of death because he, and he's not afraid that he really lost anybody because of heaven. Maybe that's it. But now that, you know, once, once I started digging into that, I started realizing I want that kind of faith that he had that would just carry him through so much valley of the shadow of darkness and fearing none of it and just being like, yeah, I'm happy. You know, somebody, are you happy? Yes. Like no, no thought whatsoever. I'm like, how, how's that possible? Well, now I understand that it's possible. And not only do I understand it's possible, but I understand you can actually build that faith. It's not like brown eyes, like, oh, I don't have it. You know, I don't have blue eyes. Therefore I'm in, I'm, I'm just in trouble for the rest of my life. No, it's actually something that you can build, like you can build muscles or you can build, you know, the ability to speak French or whatever you want to do, you can do it. You can build a stronger faith. And once I started, once I realized that, I thought, okay, well, I want that. And so I spent, you know, a few years building that strong faith. And, and now it, it has changed absolutely everything in my life. Yeah. It, it's a transformation that kind of, as you were just telling your story, it kind of reminded me of the, the story, it's a parable that Jesus uses, and he shares it. It's called the parable of the prodigal son. The prodigal mm -hmm. son comes to his dad and says, Dad, I'm, I'm going to leave. I, I got to get on my own, so give me what's mine. You know, he wants his inheritance early, and so he goes and he squanders it all. And there's this moment in that story where I, I want to take you back to uh, the moment maybe in your life, because I know I've had this moment too where the scripture says the prodigal son came to himself. 
It's like he, he was feeding the pigs, doing this lousy job, and he just was so hungry and he was so just beat down that he was like, wait a minute, I, even the servants, my, my father's house, my workers who work for my dad live better than me. Like, why am I trying to do this on my own? Why don't I just go back home? Oh, I can't go back home. You know, and so he, he does go back home and his father runs to greet him and he, and he hugs him and he gives him what he needs. And, and he doesn't even let the, the kid, you know, confess. He said, father, I've sinned against you. I, 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 you know, and so what I feel for you, Tom, is that you've kind of just explained a lot of our own experience as, especially perhaps as men, we were so self-reliant and we want to do our thing and we're, it's all about us. And, and at some point God allows us to sort of go off on our own and we're going to come to the end of, of everything we have. And so I praise God that you've had this experience that, that really has coined this little prayer. And I want you to tell me a little bit more about this phrase. It, it's a prayer. I can't do yeah. this without you, God. What does that mean to yeah. you? And what are you writing into this next book that you're writing? Yeah, well, the, the book's actually finished and I'm shopping it around right awesome. now. But, the, uh, but, the, but you're absolutely right. It's a prayer. And I think of it as kind of the Swiss army knife of prayer because it's small, it's portable, I can take it with me wherever I go. And it fits absolutely every situation, including arrogance, which, which we can get into a little bit later. But, um, but, it, but it, 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 I started to build it over the course of years because I started to get this, you know, my, I started to try this, this writing career started taking off for me. The more I went to church, it was not like a, you know, like an Eckhart Tolle moment where I don't know if you've read uh, his book. I can't think of the name of the book, but uh, the, the power of now. It wasn't like a moment. Like he has this moment at the beginning of that book where it just strikes them and he's, he's instantly like Zen master. Um, it was more like, well, I'll start going to church. I'll start doing some of the things the priest says I should be doing according to the Bible. And it started building up to where I got to this point where my career was getting better and better but I still didn't really have a grasp on how, I mean, I know how power, I've known my whole life how powerful God is, right? God created the universe, but I didn't know how powerful God would be willing to be in my life. Uh, I really didn't understand that. I've, I've heard people talk that way, but I didn't understand it until a very, in a very practical sense, I, I, I ran up against another brick wall. You know, I, I, was, I was in a better place um, I was I was healthier. I was happier. I had I had started to say, you know, when things would would show would would when a brick wall would raise up in front of me, I would start to look at it and start to use my old self of saying, well, analytically, you know, what can I how can I break this problem down? How can I get over this brick wall or dig under it or get around it or something? And I think God wants us to do that. I mean, I'm not a believer of the whole, I'm not a subscriber to the whole Jesus take the wheel type of thing. I don't think Jesus wants to take the wheel. He wants us to take the wheel. That's why he gave us two hands. He doesn't want to do the driving. That's the, you know, the, you talked about the parable of the prodigal son. And I agree. I feel like I am very much that, although I hadn't seen that until you said that. I hadn't seen that in myself, but I, I, which is crazy that I hadn't. But there's another parable of the widow and the unjust judge that I heard through going to church again, through you know, bringing my kids to church and getting them baptized and been taking them to church for years now. But there was this one uh, where this, this par there's this parable where this widow keeps going to this judge and saying, hey, you know, I demand justice, I demand justice, but the judge is unjust, and he just keeps putting her off and putting her off. Well, she keeps going back to him over and over and over, almost nagging, nagging this poor judge 
until he finally just says, look, I, just to get rid of you, I'll give you what you want, which to me was astounding. And the priest, I was listening to that in church and I thought, that's, I never noticed that before. And the priest said, you know, you know, the, the story, the moral of the story is, if that's what an unjust judge will do just to be, have peace, then imagine what an all loving and all powerful God will do for you. And then I thought, wow, really? Because I just thought, you know, I'm so, I'm just not that important. Why would I ask for something, you know, like monetary? Why would I ask for, can you help me solve this situation where I don't have enough money to give my family the things they need? I can't really ask for that, can I? Um, then I just started, once I started, I had that realization through that parable, I, I just sort of said, started saying, you know, I can't do this without you, God. I'm, I have no power to solve this problem. I'm trying my hardest. I'm doing all the things I know to do, but the outcome is not up to me. And Absolutely. that was a big realization. Yeah. It was like, you know, this is up to God. I know that God, I'm trying as hard as I can. You gave me all these great abilities. They're great, but I can't do anything. You know, if you want it to happen, it'll happen. That's and such once a, I, yeah, such a healthy perspective. It, it's a, and I, I believe people, you know, sometimes forget that they need to be reminded that we're limited and, but yet God is not limited. And so, you know, I want to turn the conversation to you because I know you've got a lot to say about this, you know, this topic of getting closer to God, because that's what I see is at that point, you started to grow and you got closer to God. But what were those things that you did employ or the things that you did do? How can I, and, and you tell our listeners now, how can we get closer to God in our lives? Yeah, well, it's, it's good to ask somebody who's like not all the way at the top of the ladder, right? Somebody who's gone up the first few steps is often the person to ask because they remember what those first few steps are like. Whereas the person who's already way up the top of the ladder, they're like, I don't really remember. I don't know. It was something I did years ago. But yes, I can absolutely shed light on that. So the first thing was just using that prayer. I can't do it without you, God, which popped up uh, most notably or biggest in my memory. Well, one was with the Lyme disease, struggling with that for years, on all kinds of medications, couldn't get off them, symptoms getting worse and worse. Um, finally, just said, you know what? I'm spending so much, so much mental energy and anguish on this. I can't do this without you, God. I want to get better. I can't do it without you, God. Um, a couple of days later, a friend emails me and says, hey, have you heard about intermittent fasting? Now, this was after I, our priest had been giving sermons on fasting, and I, they had bounced right off my bulletproof ears because I thought fasting is something for old people. It's something, you know, weirdly religious. I don't understand it. I don't know why I'd ever do it. Well, this friend of mine wrote me this email and he's, he's not very religious. He's a, he's a, a, a very successful businessman and multimillionaire said, Hey, you know, I've been having joint pain for years and I'm just so excited because I started fasting and it went away. And I thought, well, I have joint pain everywhere. I can hardly play with my kids. Um, I'll read this coming from him because he's a multimillionaire, but I would never listen to my priest, right? So, so he he tells me about this, and I he gives me all this research because I'm 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 all about logic. So I start reading the research, and I realize like this is something I could try. So I start fasting. I start doing intermittent fasting, which is basically just skipping breakfast. And uh, within a few days, all of my Lyme symptoms vanished. That all of modern science couldn't send away. They all vanished. And then I started listening just as Lent was starting and I started listening and, and, uh, or Lent was coming, I guess it wasn't starting yet, but I started listening more in church and I started doing the fast. I started reading up on why should, why according to God should we fast? 
And so I started fasting with a more religious bent to it. And I was thinking, no, this is something that God wants us to do because it's good for us. It's, it's a, there's, he's got us, our best interests in mind. So then I thought, wow, I would never, of course, it was, be, it was the answer to my prayer. I can't do it without you, God. And then this friend of mine out of the blue who I would trust because I wouldn't trust my priest, God's like, okay, I'll give it to you through this avenue because you're not going to listen to it from over here. So I'll make this friend who you trust tell you. And then I did it. And then I realized, oh, 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 this is something I should have been doing all along. And now it's just a part of my life. And, it, and it's a part of my life, you know, as a way to say thank you to God, to clarify my, my thoughts and my head, to get closer to God, to build a stronger faith, to realize that God, you know, doesn't want me to just live on bread alone, that it's not that important. And, and also because it's, you know, there's so much research behind that it actually helps your body and hundreds of ways. Yes, I agree. And, and my wife and I are actually employing that same strategy for, for lots of different reasons. And what it does is it's, uh, it's and folks that might be interested can look it up and it, it's intermittent fasting is, is a, a very common practice that uh, has some tremendous health benefits, but it has a spiritual um you know, a spiritual benefit as well, because you're denying yourself. You're, you're saying, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to not eat. I drink water or whatever, but I'm not going to eat for, you know, 10, 12, 14, 16 hours in some cases. Uh, and like you say, if you just eat dinner and then don't eat, you know, for uh, 12, 14, 16 hours, it, it sometimes means just not, you know, not eating breakfast, but it can be yeah. tremendously powerful uh, for you in your mind, your body, and, and your spirit. And so that's one of those practices. Um, yeah. You know, tell us a little bit more about like things like acts of service and, and small acts, yeah. just little kindnesses or, or giving to charity. How has that been a powerful tool in your life to grow your faith? That's been extremely powerful. So that, again, one of those things that's in the Bible that I've heard about my whole life and that I was just kind of like, that's not, maybe someday if I'm rich, I can do that. And then our priest uh, one day was saying, you know, don't worry so much about the money. If you can't afford the money, uh, don't worry about that. But, but give of yourself in some way. Make sure you give. And that struck home with me because at, the, at that point, I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, didn't, I still felt like, and this is a chapter in my book, I'm, but I'm too poor to give to the poor. Uh, well, the good news is you don't, everybody can give to somebody who needs it, no matter how poor you are. And I was, I was not at this point, I wasn't poor, but I was sort of cash strapped and also just didn't have any time. And I would think, what am I going to do? What I'm going to go give blood. I don't even have, I don't, it's going to take me a couple hours to get to the blood bank or wherever I'm going to have to go. And I don't have time for that. I can't, I'd love to be able to do that. I just don't have time. Maybe I'll put it in my to-do list and do it someday. But then the, uh, another thing the priest said is, you know, God will be tapping you on the shoulder and showing you where you can help. And I thought, well, maybe that's true. Well, suddenly it hit me. I've been writing for years. I've been writing these resume, these career articles, these resume articles and about how to write a resume for all different kinds of jobs, how to write cover letters, how to do a job interview. And I've been having all these people on LinkedIn have been connecting with me and saying, hey, can you help me write my resume? And I, I tried doing it for money for a little while. It was too much work. And I just ended up saying, no, 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 Deborah, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Well, suddenly it hit me. This is where God is tapping me on the shoulder and saying, these people need your help. They're out of work. They're struggling. They're scared. 
and you have built the skill set where you know how to help them and it wouldn't take you that long. And I suddenly thought, well, I can sit down, I can wake, I wake up before the family every morning. On a Saturday morning, I can log into LinkedIn and say, sure, send me your resume. And uh, I can look at their resume and offer some suggestions and rewrite certain parts and say, you need more of this, you need less of that. And I started doing it. And again, stupid me, this is something that God put there, yes, to help other people, but also because he's trying to wrap you in the middle of the forehead and say, this is going to help you do this, if for nothing else, for selfish reasons. Because what I noticed was this flood of good feeling, like just this overwhelming good feeling, like happy feeling that I've been searching for my whole life was just there because you, you know, you help somebody and they, they're so grateful. And some people even say, I feel like you are, uh, you were sent from God to help me. And I think, well, I was because I was getting this message from the priest and, and it's true. Like God told me go over here and do and help these people. But, but to hear that back from them, you know, God sent you to help me was just this, but talk about building your faith. It was just this overwhelming, overwhelmingly warm feeling throughout my body. And I'd, I had people say things like, uh, you know, I hesitate to share it, but I share it because, you know, God, God says, and the, the Bible says, um, you know, those who help people in secret, those who give in secret will be rewarded in secret, will be rewarded by the, the, their Lord who sees in secret. Um, so I, I kind of hesitate to tell it, but on the other hand, I want to tell it because I want to share, you know, with other people what, what this can be like. So I had this one guy tell me, you know, he, he was, he was an immigrant. He, his wife was sick. She was collapsing on the floor. He was traveling all over the country, all over the, the area as a salesperson and a trainer. And he, he had to keep coming home and he's like, I, I need to be home with my family. I, I can't find a job. I barely speak English. And I, I thought, I can't help this guy. And then, boom, the prayer, the prayer popped back into my head. I can't do this without you, God. Oh, well, I can't help this guy. I can't help this guy. I can't do this without you, God. But you can help him. And I, and I just told, I was honest with him. I said, I don't know. This is a hard one. I don't know how I can help you. But let me do what I can. And so I helped him rewrite his resume. And it turned out he had an amazing career. He was really smart. He had done all these amazing things. And so I helped him highlight those things in his resume. And he ended up getting a really good job with the U.S. government, with the Small Business Administration that replaced his income and let him stay right near the area in case his wife had a problem. And a a, a couple of months later, he emailed me and said, you saved my life. My wife's doing much better now. My kids are doing great. I've got this great job. I don't know how I could ever thank you. And my answer was, you absolutely don't need to because I didn't do it. <laughs> uh, you did it and God did it. I, oh. you know, I, said, I said, this was not, I could not have got this guy that job. I did my little part that I knew how to do, which was help him highlight some things about himself in his resume and talk to him during a hard time. And God found him a job. I mean, like I said, you know, I would have turned him away at one point in my life because I would have realized I couldn't do it. But realizing that God could do it. And then, and then, you know, how much bigger is my faith after going through that experience? Talk about growing your faith. Charity is a huge way to do it. And it's also, there's, there's reams of research. It's just good for you. It makes people live longer. It fights off illness. It fights off Alzheimer's and other dementias. It, it just helps. 
Absolutely. Hey, Tom, this has been awesome. I so appreciate meeting you and hearing more of your story. You are a picture of, of, a, of an encourager. You are a guy who has been through some stuff, but you've turned the corner. You, your eyes have been opened to how God can use you to come alongside somebody and, and simply help them with your gifts and talents. And, and that's what encouragers do. And so I so appreciate your time today. Folks, look for this great book. It is going to be awesome. As soon as it hits the shelves, I'm going to get a copy myself. It's called, I Can't Do This Without You, God. Tom Garrenser, it's great to meet you today. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you, Charlie. This was an absolute pleasure. It was great talking to you. Next week, I get to introduce you to my new friend, Brendan Kumarasamy. He's the founder of Master Talk, a YouTube channel he started to help the world master the art of public speaking and communications. He helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs achieve their milestones in life and master their message. You won't want to miss it. I was the youngest speech coach in the world because I started training C-level executives with the age of 23. So I kind of just said, hey, why don't I just make videos in my basement, you know, to help some people out who can't afford me. So that's how Mastruck started. And I didn't really, I honestly thought it was a stupid idea. But after a couple of months, the channel started really gaining traction. And I, and I realized how big of an issue communication was for the world. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of the Encouragers United podcast with me, Charlie Grimes. I would love for you to do me a favor and leave a comment and a rating for this podcast. It means more to me than you know, because that's how people are alerted about the Encouragers United podcast. I invite you to simply let me know how I'm doing, and that refers others to listen as well. I appreciate and read every one of your comments, and I'm trying to make the show better and better each week. For more information and to connect with optimistic, enthusiastic leaders all over the world, be sure to search for Encouragers United on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram, or visit my website, charlesrgrimes.com. Mm -hmm.